Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Makers and Mystics podcast, a primer to season 11. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and I'm excited to introduce this new series of conversations on art and the urge for transcendence. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know that for the past two seasons on the show, we've been focused on mental and emotional health for the artist, as well as restoration for the heart of the artist. Now in this season, we're going to build upon these themes and add another dimension to the conversation, art and the urge for transcendence. But first, I want to bring to mind the full scope of this word transcendence and give you an idea of where I'm coming from. Prior to any religious or spiritual connotations around this term, transcendence simply means going beyond. It could be going beyond pain or heartbreak or a previous failure or condition. It could be going beyond restrictive or outdated beliefs. It could be going past creative limitations that have held you back from blossoming into your most beautiful self. And of course, it could be going beyond the limitations of our material world into the more metaphysical or spiritual aspects of life, perhaps even going beyond all conceptualizations. In this series, we're going to touch on each of these points, depending on my guest and the nature of where the conversations flow. My aim is to explore how the arts interact with our spiritual pursuits and experiences of transcendence. For today's introduction, I want to set the stage and share a bit of why I feel this subject of art and the urge for transcendence is important for this cultural moment and how it builds into the topics of our previous seasons on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this series on art and the urge for transcendence. Since I was a child, I recognized the magical ability of music and art to transport me out of the ordinary world of my tiny everyday into an expanse of wonder and creative imagination. In many ways, I grew to prefer my imaginary world to the world around me. But as we all tend to do, I grew up and the demands of adult life encroached upon me. The challenge to remain creative would require a lifelong devotion and a willingness to forego convention. It is a life choice well worth the struggle. I said it in the trailer, but it's worth repeating. The human heart is designed to be astonished. We carry within us an innate yearning for wonder, for awe, and for reverence. This deep-rooted urge to reach beyond ourselves and to be immersed in that which is greater than our own limitation, greater than our own materiality, is where the spiritual and the creative impulses overlap. But when these fragile, paper-like hearts of ours become marked by pain, trauma, self-protection, and the ongoing demands of daily life, the stars recede from our view 
and we're left wondering, is there any meaning beyond the cold repetition of survival? I mean, who cares about transcendence when the bills are due and there's no money in the bank? And yet, we do care because we are born for so much more than survival. This is where many have gotten it wrong. Art, in essence, does not serve a material aim or a pragmatic function, but try living without it and you'll learn just how ingrained it is to our mental health to experience beauty and wonder and awe. Psychologist Robert Johnson said, a sense of reverence is necessary for psychological health. If a person has no sense of reverence, no feeling that there is anyone or anything that inspires awe, it cuts the conscious personality off completely from the nourishing springs of the unconscious. So to cultivate our relationship to the arts and to recognize the ability of the arts to lift the spirit out of the malaise of our everyday is vital to the health of the individual and to our societies. On the one hand, art leads us to experience transcendence and likewise, transcendence calls for the creation of art. Harvard professor Elaine Scarry writes in her book on beauty and being just, what is the felt experience of cognition at the moment one stands in the presence of a beautiful boy or flower or bird? It seems to incite, even to require the act of replication. Wittgenstein says that when the eye sees something beautiful, the hand wants to draw it. And so the relationship between art and the urge for transcendence is intertwined at the root. And for all the tension between priest and performer, there remains an unbreakable bond between the two, like twins born of the same mother and each reaching for the same sky. At times, the relationship is complementary, while at others, it breeds rivalry as if fighting for the same affections. I've said it many times before, but creativity is inherently spiritual and healthy spiritual practice will always be expressed through creativity. Learning to see the two as one is an ascent that will serve us well. For hidden deep within all art, whether intended by the artist or not, is this yearning for transcendence, for grappling with the incompleteness and beauty of our humanity, and then by some touch of divine or miraculous interruption, to leap beyond the borders of empirical knowing and be ushered into the arms of our eternal longing. This is the high calling of art, but the ways in which artist and audience get there is where liturgy and ritual come to aid. As I said in the beginning, transcendence in its purest form is a reach beyond the constraints of the everyday that we might connect with our heart's deepest yearning, the presence of God. However, the shadow of transcendence, escapism, is born of survival and negation. It can be induced by trauma or simply boredom 
and is a flight away from a reality we cannot change. So we settle for absence or diversion instead of truth. In other words, a pure search for transcendence is not so much motivated by a flight from as it is a reaching toward, whereas escapism has no ultimate aim beyond evasion. Learning to distinguish the two may determine what we experience both in art and in faith. It's a fascinating yet tragic dilemma when the rituals or practices of our faith no longer inspire the awe and reverence they were born to bear. And perhaps this says more about our own state of spiritual dullness than it does about the practices themselves, but either way, the problem must be addressed. In his book, Thou Art That, Transforming Religious Metaphor, Joseph Campbell writes, when the clergy fail in their first task of understanding the symbols of which they are guardians, one is forced to feel that only artists are left to do this spiritual exploration for us. So we can reiterate here that the priest is responsible to pursue the understanding of art, even as the artist is responsible to seek truth. The arts, perhaps more than any other medium, give voice to our deeper yearnings and awaken the heart to see the invisible, to know the unknowable, to clothe the unapproachable with metaphor and symbol. And when art and spirit come together, is there a more beautiful expression of humanity? I'm thinking now of the passage in Genesis when the Creator God places Adam into an altered state, into a trance, and begins the divine creation of Eve. The text says that God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. But what's interesting is the Hebrew word in this passage that we translate as sleep is tardamah, and it's also translated as trance in other parts of the Bible. It's not sleep as we think of it. No, it's an induced interactive state of mind. Greek translations of this word use ecstasis or ecstasy to better describe Adam's state of mind. In this interactive trance-like state, God reaches into the depths of Adam's being and forms Eve. When Adam awakens and sees her standing before him, he is stricken with awe and utters humanity's first words of poetry. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Adam's mystical union with God led to the realization of his heart's deepest cry, and it gave birth to poetry. This interactive creative state may be comparable to what psychologist Mihaly Chichkin Mihaly refers to as flow, or the state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. 
Flow or tartama, as I understand the word, is marked by an altered euphoric state of mind. Our normal way of perception gives way to a heightened sensitivity. Sound and color and overlooked details are illuminated to us. The world comes alive in new ways, revealing unexplored possibilities. Suddenly, matter doesn't seem to be so rigid, but is pliable, able to be shaped and transformed and transcended. We enter a state of childlike play where all things become possible. A stick becomes a sword. A closet door leads to another world. A treetop is the crow's nest of a ship at sea. The exterior world disappears as the imagination constructs a deeper layer of creative encounter. You know, I used to think that it required mind-altering drugs to induce this dreamlike state of mind. But in reality, this way of seeing is the natural proclivity of the artist and for those who aspire to live in union with God. When we come in contact with the Creator, we become susceptible to the Creator's creativity. It only takes a gentle shifting of the way we perceive the world and the doorway will open for us to engage this always available, always within reach, creative realm of the Spirit. Jesus said that unless you become as a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So perhaps it is through humility and childlikeness that we're able to transcend our limitations and enter into the beautiful expanse of creative love that God offers to us. So I wanna bring this introduction to a close. And I wanna reiterate why I feel such an importance on discussing art and the urge for transcendence and why seeking to understand the role the arts play in facilitating this pursuit is vital for our cultural moment. And it's because on the one hand, we live in a scientific, rationalistic society that frowns upon mythic or spiritual ways of seeing the world. And then on the other hand, we have religious extremism and distortions or abuses of pure faith, and therefore a pervading disregard of the life-giving beauty contained within the gospel story of God's love. And so perhaps as Joseph Campbell prophetically understood, only artists are left to do this spiritual exploration for us. And so I want to encourage you that the world is desperate to encounter the goodness, truth, and beauty reflected through art born out of union with God. Your work matters. More is at stake than your own career. Susie Gablick in her book, The Reenchantment of Art, tells us that if we don't experience ecstasy through legitimate means, we'll get it through illegitimate means. And she warns us that the loss of ecstatic experience in Western society leads to hopelessness and addiction and mechanical living because the human heart is designed to be astonished. And as C.S. Lewis warns of those whose taproot in Eden has been cut, he tells us when we deny our spiritual nature food, it will gobble poison. 
So over these next few months, my friends, I hope you'll journey with us in our discussions as we hear from a variety of voices and perspectives on art and the urge for transcendence. And as always, until the next episode, keep creating, my friends. The world needs your art. Music for this episode was provided by Somewhere at Sea. You can find a written transcript of this episode at patreon.com slash makersandmystics.